Well, good morning. My name is Adam Young, and I'm the lead pastor here at Element Church. And we're excited that you're here for, as what Cam has already mentioned, is our final sermon, our, our concluding weekend in this series, InstaFam. Uh, and I, I just kind of want to take a quick minute just to review some of the things that we've talked about over the course of the last several weeks. In week one, we talked about God's heart for your home. And, and really, God's heartbeat for what happens in our home and the way that we interact with uh, our kids and our spouse and anyone that, that really is, is underneath our roof and, and the role that the home should play and how God's grand design for our lives is to have a home that seeks after his heart and teaches others to do the same. In week two, uh, we talked about uh, moving towards connection and, and really talking about this whole series, even though we've called it InstaFam, uh, is not really about just families. You know, our whole tagline in this series is that uh, great families don't happen in an instant. Well, the reality is great relationships don't happen in an instant either. And in week two, we just talked about how we move towards connection with other people and how uh, we do that through being vulnerable. A lot of times we think vulnerability equals weakness, but actually vulnerability equals the courage to be imperfect. And how whether it's in our family relationships or friendships or, or any other relationships that really matter to us, the vulnerability is what helps us move towards uh, deeper and better connections. In week three, uh, we talked about the meaning of marriage and how the, our marriages were designed by God to uh, reflect or to paint a picture of the gospel, to paint a picture of the gospel for a watching world of what genuine love and grace and mercy and forgiveness looks like to paint a picture of the gospel for our kids, and to paint a picture of the gospel for our spouse so that when they see us and the way in which we treat them, uh, that they're getting a genuine reflection back uh, of the character of God. And so uh, last week, week four, we talked about the purpose of parenting and how as parents, um, we, we have to know what we're aiming at. We utilized an illustration of archery that's actually one of the word pictures that the Bible uses to teach us about parenting. And so we just talked about archery for a little bit last week and some of the different principles and approaches to good archery and how that can inform us as parents. And not only parents, but anyone who has uh, interactions uh, with people during their formative years. We played a little game last week just thinking about the people who had had the biggest influences on us as we were growing up and recognizing that our parents were not the only ones who played a pivotal role in our for formation and how even if you're not a parent in here, you play a vital role or should play a vital role uh, in the lives of others, uh, especially during their, their formative years. And so uh, we talked about that. Now, as we continue to talk and we close out this series on InstaFam, um, I want us to talk a little bit more broadly about family. Certainly over the last four weeks, what we have covered, God's heart for your home, uh, opening up to vulnerability with others, uh, some, some practical takeaways for marriage, some practical takeaways for parenting. 
This is not by any means a complete survey of everything that the Bible has to say about the family. And so here's what I want us to do today. I want us to kind of bring some closure to this series as we continue to talk about having great families. We all want great families, or depending on your situation, you may even answer that question. We all want great relationships, but they don't happen in an instant. There's no magical filter that we can use uh, to just magically have a great family or great relationships. It takes time and it takes intentionality. But as we've said all along in this series, it's worth the effort. God has given us the pictures for a great family, for great relationships. And in this series, we're just taking a closer look. And so what we're going to do today is first I want to broaden our understanding of family. That's where we're going to start today. Then I want to talk a little bit about why did we do this series. And then we're going to close it out with just some practical things about why all of this matters for you and I um, not only in, ho- in, in the home, but even right here. And so what I'm going to invite you to do is I'm going to invite you to pull out your phone or your tablet and open up the Bible app. Now we're going to go through, I'm going to go through a, a, a number of scriptures, and they're going to be all over the Bible. And so um, you can try to follow along. If you grew up in church, and uh, did any of y'all ever play Bible drills? Some of you grew up in church like a long time ago when those kind of things were cool. Uh, so if you're like an old school Bible drill champion, uh, you might be able to follow along fast enough. But for the rest of us, it'll be easier if we just use our Bible apps. And so uh, if you open up the Bible app, you click the menu, click live events, and then Element Church. Uh, the scriptures that we're going to cover today are laid out there for you. What's also interesting about the Bible app is you can take notes in it. So under each scripture, under each little heading, everything that we have laid out for you already in the Bible app, there's a place where you just click notes. And then you can take down notes as as we're talking today, and then you can save that to your phone and you can have access to it later. If you when you walked in this morning, hopefully you were handed what we call a worship guide. On the back of that is also a place for you to take notes. So if you're not a phone person, a digital person, you would rather flip through the Bible yourself. You can handwrite notes. We provided pens in the seats around you, uh, and you can do that as well as we start this journey together. And so um, I'll give a little background context when helpful, but I just want to read some scripture for a little bit. And I just want it to, I want to allow it to broaden our understanding of family. And we're going to begin in John chapter 1. And in John chapter 1, starting in verse 12, this particular passage is just describing the purpose for which Jesus came to earth. And it says this, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, that's Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now, one of the purposes for which Jesus came to this earth was so that those who would believe in him would have the right to become children of God. One of the most common designations to address God in all of the Bible is to call him Father. And certainly some of us had great fathers, earthly fathers, biological fathers who helped us to understand the beauty of fatherhood. Some of us were not so fortunate. And maybe you didn't have a great father and it's difficult to even think or call God father. 
And, and the beauty of the story of Jesus and what he came to do is to help us redefine fatherhood and redefine how we understand God and his love for us. And so this is our first passage, John 1. Now I want us to look at Galatians chapter 3. And Galatians is a letter that was written to a whole bunch of churches that lived in the same region of Galatia uh, in the ancient Roman Empire. And there was this internal debate and um, some distractions and, and some arguments going on in some of these churches between people of different ethnicities, right? Sometimes we think uh, in the 21st century we're facing new problems, and the reality is uh, the tensions and the problems we face in our culture are not that unique. Uh, a lot of cultures have faced them, and so there was some tension within the church of like, how do we understand and relate to one another because we come from such different ethnicities and backgrounds culturally and religiously, and, and, and Paul writes this letter to these churches to help them come together in unity. And one of the things he does is he begins talking about how one of the groups in the, these churches were Jewish people who grew up understanding that they come from a long line of great, a great faith tradition. And Abraham is a particular individual who stands at sort of one of the top tiers uh, of admiration in their faith. And they were very proud of the fact that they descended from Abraham because God had done some amazing things through Abraham. And then Paul, as he's trying to bring these people together, says, know then that it, it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And talking about this great tradition, about how God has moved amongst people in this world, he was saying, hey, you should be proud that you have a great faith heritage, but know that what makes you a genuine son or daughter or, or descendant of Abraham is not the blood that runs through your veins, it's the faith that runs through your heart and mind. That's what determines to whom we belong. Later on in this letter, Paul's going to say it this way. Speaking of Christ coming to earth, Galatians chapter 4, starting in verse 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. So he paints this even, even more of a, a full picture for us of what this looks like. That it's through what Christ has come and what he has done that you and I have entered into this opportunity to be adopted by God so that we can rightfully call him Father, so that we can no longer be slaves. Slavery is an, a theme, it's another one of those uh, ideas that runs throughout Scripture. Sometimes it refers to physical slavery. As in when God's people were slaves in Egypt and through a guy named Moses, God set his people free. Some of you are familiar with that story. But as the Bible will go on to later teach that slavery is actually much bigger of a problem than most of us realize. Slavery isn't just about external, physical masters, but that all of us were born slaves. 
slaves to sin, slaves to selfishness. You know, we've been talking about the family in this series. If you're a parent in here, you know you didn't have to teach your kids to be selfish, right? Like, you never taught your kid how to bite another human being, but somehow they figured it out, right? And so the Bible teaches all of us were born with something broken and we're slaves to it. But because of what Jesus has done, that we have the right to become no longer slaves, but sons. We're sons and daughters as we are adopted by God. Paul, the same author, is going to say it this way to another church, to the big church in Rome in the first century. He says this, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption. It's a different church, but Paul's teaching the same message. You've received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him he's carrying on the same idea that we go from being having a spirit of slavery to a spirit of sonship because of what God's spirit does in us here's another one this is Jesus teaching during his ministry somebody comes and start talking to him about his mother and his brothers and he responds by saying it this way in Matthew 12 verse 49 and stretching out his hand towards his disciples so those those individuals who had given up everything in life to serve and to follow Christ wherever he went and to to listen to his teachings and obey him he says looking towards his disciples and pointing pointing his hand he he said here are my my mother and my brothers for whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Here's just one more. We're going back to Paul again, writing a letter to a young pastor named Timothy, just giving him some instruction on what to do and uh, how to be a good pastor and lead his church. And uh, he says this, I hope to come to you soon, but I am writing these things to you so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and a buttress of the truth. This phrase, household of God. So while it's helpful for us to talk about the nuclear family, to talk about your physical home, to talk about marriages, to talk about children, to talk about God's heart for your home and how we can move towards deeper and better connections with our family, how to raise better children, how to have a better marriage. All of that is good and it's important. It's needed and the Bible has a lot to say about it. Even over the last four weeks, we've only scratched the surface. But what the Bible also wants to do is to expand our understanding of what family is of what we think of when we think of family. And because of who Jesus is and what he came to do, you and I have been given this opportunity to enter into a new family. Not that we leave our old one, but that we get to expand what we understand family to mean. And then because of Jesus, 
we begin to call this, what's happening right in here, a family. This starts to become the household of God. Not the building, not the budgets, not the chairs and the programming, the people. That because of Jesus, you and I become family. Despite the differences in our cultural and maybe even faith backgrounds, how we were raised, the the baggage that we bring in, and we all bring in baggage, the baggage we bring in from past experiences in our life, we all come together, and because of what Jesus has done, we begin to look at the other people in this room and call them family. If you're familiar with the Bible, specifically the New Testament part, the most common way to, to refer to another fellow Christian is by the term brother and sister. We are a family. Now here's what I want to do. I want to bring this in together to talk about why did we do this series? What are some final takeaways for us? And then to give us a few practical things to do as we close out this series together. And so if you're into taking notes, this is a good place to do it. So if you want to write on the back of your worship guide, if you want to type it in your Bible app, um, all of those would be helpful and appropriate. Um, As we just make a couple observations, and here's the first one. The church supports, not supplants your family. The church is here to support, not supplant your family. This is the passage that we focused on for most of our time in week one. It says this, Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way. And when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Now in week one what we did is we broke this down to talk about practically how does this work today. What exactly is the Bible teaching? And so we talked about God's heart for our home, and we focused on how it is that we teach and talk and bind and write these things, and what what these mean symbolically for us in our lives. I won't re-preach that message today. That message is available on our website. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you enjoy podcasts from, and you can go back to listen to it if you missed it that week. But, but here's what I want to point out. Before the Industrial Revolution, the home played a pivotal uh, role in people's lives. Right? The home was where people educated children. It was where we cared for the sick and the elderly. It was where we ran family businesses and industries. The home was where we served customers and the community. The home was where we set a plus surplus to take care of the poor and the needy and those Uh, who are down. Since the Industrial Revolution, we've moved into a specialized society. Everything is specialized, and we farm out everything. Now, some of this has been good, right? I'm a terrible mechanic, so it's a good thing that we've moved. uh, That was kind of funny. Like, like I'm a bad mechanic. I'm, I'm working on it, Uh, but I'm not that great, right? I need the specialization of others who can help work on my vehicles. Like, 
I, change brakes, I can do it. Change oil, I can do it. I, I replaced an alternator once. That was a big deal. Until I talked to someone about it and I realized like alternators are like the easiest thing to replace in your engine. I'm like, oh, okay. Aside from the battery, which I can also replace. Um, listen, I need the specialization of others, right? I'm in trouble if, if I have to do everything by, my, by myself, but some, in some ways that has come at a cost, There's a lot of advantages to having other people who are trained and passionate and skilled to help educate your children. There's something helpful about having other people and resources to help supplement what you can't or don't know how to do. But what we can't do is farm out all responsibility for our homes and our families and our relationships. This church as an extended family, is designed to support your efforts at doing these kinds of things in your home, not to replace it. We, we get an hour, hour and a half if I preach too long, with your kids. You have so much more time and opportunity And the Lord has put the responsibility on you to help teach and raise your children. To put the work and the effort and the energy in your marriage. To doing what needs to be done to to develop a home that loves and serves God. We are here to help. We are here to support, but not to replace. And as the extended family in your life, it's our job to come alongside you and help. Here's our second idea that you can write down if you're taking notes. The household is the training ground for the church. Our second idea is the household is the training ground for the church. We're going to go back to that first letter that Paul wrote to that young pastor I mentioned earlier that we read from. Now, he's talking about leadership. This young pastor is trying to figure out who to put into leadership to help him out in church. And, uh, and this is what Paul, the older, wise, experienced leader says. He says this, For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? One of the primary indicators of those who are ready for leadership in God's house is based upon their leadership in their own house. Paul says, if somebody can't get it together in their house, why would you put them in a place of authority in God's house? The home is is a training ground for the church, but the home, in a bigger perspective, is a training ground for life. Last week, when we were talking about the purpose of parenting, uh, one of the points that we made was that our job as parents is not to raise great kids. Our job as parents is to raise great adults. Your home is a training ground, but your kids aren't designed to stay there. They're supposed to leave. Some sooner than others, but they're eventually, right? What we do in our home is preparation for what takes place outside of the home. That's why this is so vitally important. 
what we do with our kids as we lead them and guide them and teach them, the way in which we as adults handle ourselves in the home is preparation for what God wants to do in and through us outside of the home. And that's why what we've been talking about over the last several weeks is so important. And here's the last thought, if you're taking notes. And the reason, one of the reasons why we were doing this series is the stronger your family gets, the stronger this family gets. The stronger your family gets, the stronger this family gets. God has incredible plans for you, for your household, for your marriage, for your kids. And he also has incredible plans for this place, for this group of people, for this church. And as each one of us step up to the plate to say, I'll take ownership of being a better leader. I'll take ownership of helping to guide and strengthen and disciple my family to loving and serving the Lord more. It enables our church to grow and to be more effective in reaching out to a community who desperately needs to hear that Jesus came for them so that they could move from slavery to sonship. That's the message we're trying to proclaim. And the more all of us grow with our families, the more this family grows. Now, if this is true, if it's true that, that this is a family, not just a facility, if it's true that this, what, what we're doing, who we are right here is, is an organism, not an organization, then there are real implications for us. If it's true that you and I have joined a new family, then there are some implications for us and how we interact with one another, and how that changes what we do. I, I have uh, two final scriptures that I want us to look at together. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, talking about the church. This is what it says. Now there are varieties, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties, varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So in talking about the church, the Bible's like, hey, listen, we're all different here. We've been given different gifts, different talents, different passions, different opportunities. None of us come into this family all the same. We all come from different walks, from different life experiences. And that was uniquely designed by God. In addition, when we go from having a, a spirit of slavery to, as we read earlier, a spirit of sonship, when God gives us his spirit, we're given new activities, new services, new gifts. And the whole point is, verse 7, to each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. You and I need each other. God brought us together as a family because when you join this family, you make this family better. 
you make this family stronger. You put this family in a new opportunity to do new things. The rest of chapter 12 is going to go on and start using a different metaphor. We've been talking about the family as a metaphor for what it is, what it means to be the church. And then the rest of chapter 12 here is going to go on to use a different metaphor. It's going to use a metaphor of a body. That you and I are, are a part of one body. We're each different members. We have different functions. But we're all important. And no one part of the body can say to another part of the body, we don't need you. But we all need each other. And then here's how he starts to close this idea. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. We're a family. And we've been brought together because we make each other better. We've been brought together because as individuals, we can help other individuals in the family grow. And as a family, we are so intricately connected that when one suffers, all suffer. When one rejoices, all rejoice. When one is honored, we all rejoice. Now, you know this to be true in your body. It only takes hurting one part of your body for everything else to go wrong, right? Uh, I once broke my pinky toe, which does not sound like a big deal. Uh, And actually, my wife had broken, I feel terrible now about this, but my wife had broken her pinky toe like probably a year before that time frame. I don't remember exactly. And she was like hobbling around and talking about how bad it was. And I just remember thinking like, okay, it's a pinky. Like, suck it up. Let's move on. All right, you'll be fine. Um, I have broken a lot of my fingers before, and I just thought that was like the same. It's just a finger in a different spot. Until one day, uh, I snapped my pinky toe. Aside from being the most painful break I've ever had, right, nothing works right when your pinky toe doesn't work right. Right? Something even small and minor can affect everything you do. We know that to be true in the body, and it can also be true in, a fam- in the family, right? It only takes one family member, right? It only takes one family member in a bad mood to like, this is going to be a rough day. You know what I mean? We've all been there, right? Like one family member who's suffering, right, causes all to, to suffer and to mourn. The loss of one family member causes all to mourn. But man, the honor of one family member causes all to rejoice. One family member achieves a dream that they've had forever. One family member you know, achieves some accomplishment that they've been working at for so long and all the family members rejoice. What the Bible expects is that as a family, we operate in the same way. So that when one suffers, we all feel it. Not because the Bible wants all of us to be miserable, but because when one suffers and we all feel it, we all step up to the plate to do something about it. And when one suffers, we all rejoice together. 
as we close out this series, here's how we're closing out our final application point. Over the last four weeks, we have given you a gift every week. If you haven't been with us over the last four weeks, every week, uh, when you would come, we would talk about a, a particular theme. We've covered what topics we, we did over the last four weeks. And then as you l- would leave, we would give you a gift to help you put into practice what we had talked about. To give you just a small token of, hey, here's a little encouragement to go do something about this. Whether it was a, a gift card for a date night, the, the week we talked about marriage. Whether it was uh, uh, all the ingredients you needed to bake cookies last week when we talked about parenting and just spending uh, some quality time with your kids. Whether it was uh, the free Redbox code and movie popcorn and candy we gave out on the first week. We've been giving you gifts to help you put these things into practice. And here's what we're doing this week. The last four weeks, we've given you a gift. And now we're reversing the tables and it's your turn. Now it's your turn to give. Now it's your turn to find someone else in this extended family to give to. Now there's a lot of ways that that could happen. Maybe you know someone in this family who just needs a, something to pick them up. And so you go and you get their favorite Starbucks drink and unannounced you drop it off by work and you just say, I'd love to say a two-minute prayer for you. I won't take up the rest of your day. I'm just here to serve and to bless you because I know you need it. Or maybe you know that there's a family in here who could desperately use a date night. And they haven't had the chance to use their gift card yet because life is so crazy and because they can't afford childcare. And so you call and you say, bring your kids to my house or I'm coming to your house. I won't let you tell me no. You're going out on a date and I'm going to watch your kids for you. Maybe you know someone who just needs some space. And so you just pull them aside even today and say, hey, I'm going to pray for you. I know you need the prayer. I know you need the encouragement. You don't even have to ask for it. I'm just going to pray for you. Maybe you're not good with spoken words, and so this week you're going to write out a letter or an email of just encouragement because you know that there's someone in this family who just feels like no one notices them. And so you're just going to send them a note that says, thank you. Thank you for always having a smile on your face. Thank you for um, all that you do. I just wanted to encourage you this week. Now it's your turn to give. Now it's your turn to look at someone else in this extended family and say, hey, you're suffering, I'm right there with you. Or you're being honored, I'm gonna buy you a drink and we're gonna celebrate. But you're gonna look around and it's now your turn to give. What are you going to do to help make this family great? Great families don't happen in an instant. Great churches don't happen in an instant and they don't happen by accident. And they won't happen by any of us sitting on the sidelines and just watching and waiting for someone else to do it. So what are you going to do this week to help build into this family, to help build into the relationships here, to help make all of us stronger?
Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, thank you for our time that we have to come together as a family. With all of the blessings that come with that and even at times, I'm sure, dysfunction. We all have dysfunction in our homes and our families and sometimes that happens in groups like this. But we are here united, not because we're all the same. We're united because of a common faith, because of what Jesus has done for us and our willingness to believe in him and to follow him. And so God, I pray that, Lord, now you would grow this family. That you would grow us in numbers. You would grow us in unity. You would grow us in strength. That as an outside world looks at this extended family, it would be a picture of what it means to be a part of God's family, to be a part of your family, to be a part of your household, that we would represent you well. And that all that we do as a family would bring you, our Heavenly Father, great joy and honor and glory. Will you keep your eyes closed for just a minute? What we're going to do now is we're going to have a time and an opportunity to respond. And as we do every week in this response time, we provide an opportunity for singing, to, to respond to God with our voices, to celebrate that we have been set free from slavery into sonship, that we have gone from being slaves to selfishness and our own brokenness and our own sin. We've been set free as sons and daughters of the creator of this universe. And we provide you the opportunity to stand and to raise your hands and to celebrate the goodness of our God who didn't wait for us to fix ourselves or get everything right, but he came to save us. He came to serve us. He came to make us sons and daughters. And that opportunity for you to stand and to raise your hands, to sing and to celebrate God's goodness is here. As a part of your worship experience, the communion table is open in the back corner. If you'd like to make that a part of how you respond in worship today. There will be individuals standing underneath the lights in the back. If you could just use some prayer right now. Because maybe you just, as we've gone through this series, God has just revealed some things that maybe aren't going right in your life or in your home or in your family. And you just would like some encouragement, some prayer. And there are individuals in the back waiting to pray for you. And maybe as you sit here and think about it, you're not sure that you're comfortable calling yourself a son or a daughter of God. You don't know that you've ever been adopted into God's family. And just as we read earlier, what the Bible teaches is that for those who will believe in Jesus, those who will place their faith and their trust in who he is, and what he has done, and who are willing to follow him with their lives. That first passage we read today said that because of that, Jesus gave us the right to become children of God. And so maybe if you would say today, man, I just still, I feel stuck. I still feel like I'm a slave, like, like I don't even control my own life. And you feel that longing for freedom. You feel that longing to be called a son or a daughter of God. A longing to be adopted into his family. 
the, op- the opportunity is open for you in this place. Will you believe on Jesus? Will you cry out to him right now? Will you give him your life? Will you choose to serve and to follow him? And if you do, the Bible says that you become adopted. You become a son or a daughter of him. That you go from a spirit of slavery to a spirit of sonship. That you have a new identity as a child of God. And if you'd like for someone to talk to you more about that or pray with you, those individuals in the back are available to talk more about that. As we respond to who God is and what he's saying to us in this moment. Lord Jesus, thank you. Would you be honored by all that we say and do in this time as we respond to who you are?